0: The earth shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine. But God who called me here below will be forever mine.
1: Excuse me. So God, we thank you for this morning. We're grateful for this time and this space. We pray that you would tune our hearts increasingly to you. Bless those who share this morning. Bless we who hear. May we be encouraged by our shared story, things that are happening among us as we share life discover you together. Uh, bless this gathering. We pray for your glory, for the encouragement of your church in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks again to Chris Rollins, agreed to back us up. Ended up leading us. You never know what's going to happen when you say yes in the church. And also, uh, big thanks to Tony, who just always serves us, just constantly, continually, relentlessly, is serving this church. All right, raise your hand if you'd like a notes page. Um, I think it might be helpful to have a notes page today because some of the things that some of the folks share. Uh, And this morning's gathering are going to be worth writing down, and you might want to sit with that. So raise your hand if you like a notes page, and we'll hand one out. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. We won't need, uh, I'm not going to preach formally out of the word today, but we're going to share. Last Sunday of the year, for the last several years, we have um, gathered around some of the more specific uh, stories that have kind of come out of our community in in the previous year together. And one of the most encouraging things about the work that I get to do is I get to hear these stories. Uh, One of the challenges is they're not always appropriate to share in, in in a large group setting so I'm always really thankful for opportunities like one we have today where we can say, okay, here's a few of the best stories that we've heard over the last year. And it's actually okay to share these now. It's time to, to kind of take these out and allow these stories to encourage the greater community. So that's what we're going to do this morning uh, in our kind of our teaching slot, um, our typical teaching slot this morning. Let me share a quick thought before I invite a few people to the platform with me. Uh, part a, a big part of the vision that I feel God is building in me as we push and lead this community forward is for us to share increasingly, for us to share life with each other. Now you could—that's been the thing since the beginning. I know it has, but it's getting more specific. What I mean by this is, I, I hope that the church can increasingly become a community that serves as a kind of a supportive circle around individuals in greater number of parts of our life. In other words, we often think about baptism. Baptism is a great example of how this is a major moment in an individual's life. You only baptize one person at a time, right? Everybody's focused on that one person. It's this major event in this individual's life, but there's always all these church people around, right? There's always the community around. Supporting the event that is happening in the individual's life. And by supporting that event, we're saying this is significant. We honor this. We're here for you. We celebrate this. We witness to the truth of this event, right? We do this. The best, the best place we do this is at baptisms. Sometimes we do this really well at weddings. Occasionally we do this really well when somebody has a baby. My vision is that we do this in increasing number of kind of rites of passage or moments in life, not just baptisms, but when somebody retires, that this experience that is significant, this is a life stage, I've moved from this place in life to this place in life, and still the church is around me, and the church is cheering me on, and the church is supporting me. Not just a wedding, but like the birth of your fifth kid, when almost nobody notices anymore, right? It's just another kid. No, I want the church to be surrounding the, surrounding the individual in these moments as well. Now, this is, this is an, an, a way for us to say, we see you, we're here with you, this journey that you're on, it matters to us, we want to support you, we want to be in this with you, the church is with me. I want, th- I want folks to be able to look back over their year and say, this great thing happened, this hard thing happened and everything in between, and the church was with me. This is the ideal. This is the vision. This is the hope. The church with, was with me. The church was with me. Now here's the, here's the trick. Here's the key. It's not a trick. It's the reality. Um, the church is not them, <laughs> right? The church is not some other group. The church is us. It's us. When we talk about the church in a local church context, we're not talking about any convenient, conveniently sort of uh, categorized, politicized, institutional. No, we're talking about the local church this morning. We're talking about us. So when I say I went through this experience and the church was with me, I mean we were with me. That's what I'm talking about, us. And so increasingly we are leaning into, uh, those of us who are tasked with the leadership of our community, we're leaning into ways that we can invite greater number of individuals around other individuals, invite the church around individuals to to celebrate, to recognize, to see, to support when people come, when people leave, when people have babies, when people go through hard times, when people have a personal accomplishment, when a kid wins a game. The church should be there, right? I mean, that would just be beautiful. So that's where we're headed in part. And uh, toward that end, we need to share life. We need to not do a program, call it home groups or something like that. We need to, sh- we need to authentically share life. And we've been trying to do this for 15 years. We're going to keep trying to do this. And one, and one of the things that it takes to share life together is we need to know each other, right? We need to be transparent vulnerable. Um, we need to know each other's stories. So uh, it's one of my favorite times um, of the year in the sense that we can kind of I hope this feels a little bit like a living room, and I hope it feels a little bit sort of mellowed out, like, you know, we just had Christmas, and there's still a bunch of fudge on the counter, and and everybody's kind of been wearing their pajamas for too many days in a row. And uh, I hope that we can just kind of gather around this morning, because we've got some great stories to tell. So I'm going to interview three folks from our community, variety of different experiences. If you folks would join me on the platform now, that'd be great. Um, Go ahead and grab a chair and a mic, and... We will put tea on the new carpet is what we'll do. We'll put tea on the new carpet. All right. You guys need a hand? I'm clearly the guy to give you a hand. All right. Um, if you, Oh, that's right. I was supposed to be over there. Nate's on it. He's ready to rock. All right. We're trying to get in our always reducing light space here. Can you see us? Okay? All right. Good. Okay, Jeff Jenkins. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Jeff, would you? <laughs> Leah McKinney. Thank you Leah. Emma Biden-bender. welcome Emma and Bender. Can we get that right? Bead and, and Bender. I will never make that mistake again. Beat and Bender. I hear it all the time. It's a super common name. Yes. Right. <laughs> good, good. All right, I'm going to start with uh, Leah this morning. Leah this year took the leadership of a new youth ministry in our church, um, relatively new youth ministry called Fuel 45. It was a youth group. For fourth and fifth graders, you should be already, yeah, wondering what about, how that goes. So, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Leah, what is Fuel 45? Why do we need a youth group for this age group?
2: Okay. Uh, why do we need a youth group? I think, um, well, just fourth and fifth graders are mostly nine, 10-year-olds, um, if you know any of those in your world. We need a youth group for this age Um because it's such a unique opportunity um, with these kids and with this age. This group is not, they're not cynical yet. They're not um, questioning. We're not in middle school yet. It's pre-middle school. Um, They're pretty responsive to what you have to say and what you have to share with them. Um, I have a fifth grader, and honestly, as a a parent, I think it's a pretty, it can be a rocky year if you remember being 11. You probably don't, but your parents remember (laughs) you being 11. I think it's a hard year as a parent. It is a fantastic year as that extra adult in a 10 or 11 year old's life. Hmm. A coach, an uncle, an aunt, a youth leader. Hmm. Um, Because this age group is, they're wanting independence. They want to test out their identity outside their home. And so the reason we need a youth group for many reasons, but one of them is when the church can provide that space for them to test out their identity and test out their independence, but it's lines up with what you're trying to do at home, it supports that same culture, the values mm-hmm. that you have, mm-hmm. then that's just a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful opportunity for the church to have to be that to be that place for them.
1: Amen. Yeah. I agree with you there. Yeah. Um, as a parent of a fourth grader, so grateful for this ministry that you led with Ken and several others um, through the fall semester. How did it go from your perspective? <laughs> How did it, it go? Is,
2: it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, and it is, it's a lot of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a lot of both. And so we have 15 to 20 kids um, every week, a really consistent group. And as leaders, we are learning new things every week. We're like, wow, that was amazing. And wow, that really did not work. We will never do that again. <laughs> um, and you feel both ways at the end of every, every night. You're kind of exhausted, but I always feel like, okay, I can't wait to give it a try. Next week, it's a, it's a challenge. Um, it's a fun challenge.
1: Do you see these kids as little kids or as teenagers, or is there some strange in between here? No, they're that so we... in the middle. They're so, so in the middle. Yeah, I helped out just a couple of times, and I cu- and I was a youth pastor for a long time, and I just was struggling. I was just <laughs> struggling. I wasn't sure how to place them. What was challenging for you? About the well, fall.
2: Okay, so there's such um, a wide variety of needs, a wide variety mm-hmm. of personalities, and you only have one hour. Mm-hmm. And so you're trying to have a ton of fun. I always say the boys come for the games and the candy. So I'm sorry, but the candy works. <laughs> and um, and the girls come probably maybe for the games a little bit more for the relationships. They're there for their friends. Um, And so you're trying to meet, you've got kids that are way down the road in their spiritual journey, and Mm. some others that are new, and some that are just there as a friend, and you're not sure where they're coming from, Mm. and so you have one hour to try to build a meaningful relationship, connect with them, but there's like 15 to 20, and anything could be happening, you don't even know, Mm. Um, you have to come, check it out, (laughs) Um, but there could be someone rolling across the floor, there could be someone trying to tell you something really important,
1: Mm
2: -hmm. um, share something really important from home, and there might be like darts flying by your head if that's the game you chose to play. So mm-hmm. you just never know. It's, mm-hmm. it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
1: What was beautiful about it? And that's my word. Maybe you want to change that word. But I know that in, in the immediate aftermath of a Wednesday night, it often, people often kind of look like, oh, my gosh, that was crazy. But then you came back and you did it again and you did it again. I mean, yeah. tell yeah. me what, Yeah, what, what about this is meaningful to you? It's beautiful about it.
2: I think um, when last summer when I was kind of planning and dreaming for this and talking about <laughs> it with Ken, who leaves it with me, we, we had three things in mind. Um, one, discipleship for these kids. It's transition for them to take a, their faith from what they learned at Sunday school or what they learned from their parents um, to what they can learn from themselves. Mm-hmm. And so that's so deep in my heart is that we equip them to do that. Um, community that they get. That their friendships here are important. They need other Christians with them. Um, and this age is kind of self-focused. Um, mm-hmm. the kind of way to say that. It's, so teaching um, your community really matters. And then three, I really want them to have a sense of belonging in the church in at Emmaus. Um, and so I think number three is where it gets to be beautiful, is beginning mm. to see that. All those things take time. That doesn't happen in a couple weeks. Right. Um, it happens over a couple years. And so just a couple months in, the sense of belonging, I think, is beginning to take root. When I see our kids um, in the lobby here on a Sunday morning, or any of our leaders do, or we run into them outside of church, there's that transition from, oh, I'm not just so-and-so's kid, not just the pastor's kid, I'm not just whoever's kid. I am part of Fuel. I'm a mm-hmm. part of Emmaus. These are my people. Yeah. And we talk about that as a group. They don't even all like each other, honestly. Um. because <laughs> there's, there's a lot of personality there. Yeah. Um. But to begin to build that sense of no, we are we're a family here. Um. And they, are getting a sense of belonging of the church, yeah. and that just that's uh, not just important for this year. That's important for life.
1: Absolutely. So
2: it builds a foundation for that.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. It's been remarkable to me to see just since the middle 2000s, um, like the 2000, 2003, four. When I was uh, still youth pastoring, middle school then was just the early stage. And I mean sixth grade and seventh grade. And now my 10-year-old is, I mean, it's only been 10, 15 years, but my 10-year-old is facing issues and questions and and situations that our freshmen in high school weren't even uh, facing just a couple of decades or less ago. So it's critical that we engage these kids where they are at this time in life and in culture and equip them. I so appreciate what I'm hearing from you about equipping them as individuals, giving them an understanding of the b- bigger role in community and uh, helping them to establish themselves in this church versus just as a, a child, you know, of, an, of another family. Maybe one more thing, Leah, um, from me at least. You're going to do this again in the spring. <laughs> w- why are you going to do yes. this? Why are you coming back? Because it's uh, <laughs> the no, rare person that will come back. I'm just going to be straight with you here.
2: We have so much to do. There's so much more to do. Uh, we have a lot to do in discipleship. We have a lot to do in community. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I, don't, I I heard a boss say one time, we were having a conversation, like, you don't do anything that great the first year. Mm. And so I have a lot to do. I have a lot of work to do. Mm. Um, and I think we, are, we, only, we just build from here.
1: Great. So good. If you helped with Fuel 45, thank you so much this fall. I hope you'll come back. Friends, we can't, we can't lose this group. We have the biggest, if you scale out, if you scale, if you like plot out our kids, our fourth graders, is it not, it's our fourth graders, right? That's our, it's our, that's our biggest group. That's our biggest age of kids. More fourth graders than fifth graders, sixth graders, second graders. We got to just do a great job teaching these kids about the love of God. Um, it is arguably the most important place we can invest our time and resources. Uh, we cannot allow this to be a back door where kids uh, fall out of the community. And so I'm so grateful for for many of you who volunteered, and I am so grateful for Ken and Leah. Would you please just show your appreciation for their hard work? Thank you. Anything else? Good. All right. Thank you so much. Um, I meant to say that Leah and Ken have been part of our church since about uh, 2016. In 2013, in September, Jeff Jenkins and his wife Connie came to be part, uh, visited for the first time, September of 2013, if my records are right. Two months later, they had joined the church. They made it official, which is probably the fastest membership track we've ever ever run. So, uh, Jeff Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you did prior to moving to Lincoln, um, kind of for your career. Okay. Um,
3: Well, first off, uh, Connie and I are from Alaska, if you weren't aware of that. Um, and We lived there for over 40 years, so we kind of refer to Alaska as home. We got married in the early 70s, and at that time I was working as an auto mechanic in a service station, uh, back when gasoline was like 30 cents a gallon. (laughs) Um, And and from there, uh, I I worked for an independent auto repair facility. I worked at an auto dealership dealership that serviced and sold uh, Volkswagens and Datsuns. How many Dotson's do you see on the road (laughs) Not very many. Um, And then after that, uh, we started our own auto repair business. Hmm. And we had that repair business for about six years. Um, At at the end of that six-year period, I was ready to do something different. Things had changed in our lives, and um, I was just looking for something different at that point in time. It was also when I got saved and dedicated my life to and um, so what came about for me was an opportunity to go to work on what's referred to as the North Slope of Alaska. It's above the Arctic Circle. Primarily while I was there, I, did, I started as in maintenance because mechanics and so forth was my background at that time. But I moved into some other things. And eventually, I worked in a large water treatment plant. Uh, this treatment plant was on a barge, sat about three miles out into the Arctic Ocean. Uh, I did shift work at that time. Basically, I worked a week on and a week off. The upside to that is I only worked about half the year. The downside to that is I did it for 18 years, which meant I was gone from home Mm -hmm. for nine years. Mm -hmm. Not there at all, 800 miles away. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a great job. Uh, I loved it, and I loved the people I worked with. But after about 18 years, I was ready to come back to town um, where I was able to just transfer within the, the large company that I worked for. Um, and that presented another opportunity for me. I helped develop some curriculum that was used at the University of Alaska, along with a lot of other people. And um, they used it to start a two-year degree program that was basically put in place to train people to replace the aging workforce where I had I had come from, from the North Slope. Mm-hmm. Um, As a result of having completed that and implementing it, the university asked me if I would uh, come teach as an adjunct instructor uh, because I had a lot of experience doing what these folks were going to be learning. And I was more than happy to do that. So for three years, I had a day job working for an oil and gas company in a high rise building. And a couple nights a week, I taught at the university. In 2005, I retired from that job. Um, When the university found out that I wasn't working and they assumed I had some spare time, they asked me if I wanted to come on as full-time faculty there, and I did. And so for the next uh, two and a half years or so, uh, I taught at the university in a two-year degree program. Um, 90% placement rate out of that program, by the way. (laughs) And great pay to start. When I um, retired, that would have been in 2005, and finished teaching at the university in 2009, we moved here to Alaska to California. So we could be closer to our family. Um, our sons had got married. They were living down here now. Uh, they were having their own families. And we didn't want to miss out on that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so in, in addition to that, uh, as a sort of a mechanical and an operational background. Um, I've been involved in doing some um, home construction projects, um, home remodel projects, and um, I've also been a home inspector. Home inspecting is the job that I've had here in California. Uh, I love doing that, but I'll talk maybe a little later about how that got in the way of some other things. And I also enjoy some hobbies. Uh, I enjoy uh, woodworking, and I've been doing that all my life. Yeah, good. Thanks. So I, it
1: was a super busy time when you and Connie started coming to Emmaus. We had just purchased this theater and I can't remember exactly how you got into this role, but now Jeff takes care of this facility as a volunteer. He's here a ton of hours every week. He's one of our super volunteers who just gives a ton of time. And I can't even remember how you got into this. But I can't imagine the theater without you taking care of it because it's the way it's always been for us. So can you tell us just a little bit about how you got into this, how you got into serving the church in this way? how that happened? Sure.
3: Uh, so um, I mentioned that I had been a home inspector for a while. And what happened there was um, when we were in the process of buying the facility, mm-hmm. okay, We needed to have some inspections done to make sure that the facility was what we believed it to be. Mm -hmm. So I got asked to coordinate an effort with some other inspectors to have them come in, and I sort of oversaw that effort to make sure that the building was in good shape, good condition. Now what that meant for me was I got to crawl around in all the little nooks and crannies and dark places that you guys don't even know exist in the building. (laughs) And we made sure that the building was in good shape, good condition, and it was – and then following that, we, be, we eventually began uh, services here. And Sandy asked me, just casually one time, hey, do you think that following the service, you could maybe you know empty some trash cans and do a few things here and there? And I said, oh, well, sure, I can do that. Um, now, the home inspector thing, you can't turn that off. When you become, uh, become a home inspector, everything that you kind of look at, you're picking apart and you're finding flaws or problems with. And so, I just sort of did that in this building, and I, I felt God nudging me. You know, that yes, that's what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's 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 the direction we want you to go. And uh, eventually, I just fell into a pattern of mm-hmm. coming into the building and finding those things that were wrong, mm-hmm. people tell me about problems and issues, yeah. and uh, I always have a backlog of things that mm-hmm. be mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we so appreciate that. I think what I really wanna get to with you, Jeff, is we've spent, uh, we're spending increasing time in our staff meetings um, talking about ways to communicate more effectively and to involve more effectively this growing group of people in our community, which is folks who are almost retired, in the process of retiring, or have recently retired. Uh, We have this massive gift of potential. Many of you are serving already tons of time. Um, But can you talk to us just a little bit about why it is that you are spending so much of your retirement serving the church behind the scenes? What is meaningful about this? You could be doing virtually anything with your time at this stage in life why are you spending so much of it why are you finding how are you finding meaning in serving the church
3: um well sometimes it can be challenging but uh because when you retire you think you're going to have all this time Mm -hmm. uh available to you but that isn't really what's worked out for me i find that i'm busy all the time with one thing or another Mm -hmm. uh Family is a priority. That's why we came here. And so that's always my number one priority. Mm-hmm. Um, but taking care of this building, for me, is um, its a huge blessing in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I, it's always there. I'm sure God is planting this thought in my head. Is that this is where we all come together to meet. To hear uh, Nate. Every week he delivers fantastic uh, teaching. Lesson to us, okay? This is where we come to worship Mm -hmm. together as a group. This is where we fellowship with one another. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, making sure that the building is ready, Mm -hmm. that we can all come in, we can be comfortable and sit down and enjoy the message and the worship and our our time together, that's a huge value to me, and I get a tremendous amount of satisfaction from that. And and I know that that's just what God has led me to do. I still, and there's a time management piece, you know, so I've set aside time during the week that I dedicate to being here and and serving in the church. But I also have that time for my family. And I still find time for hobbies and other things in my life. Mm -hmm. But I always have a backlog. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I bet. Thank you so much. So grateful for your hard work, for your consistency. Um, your uh, great attitude in serving, so willing to, to take care of things. You built this in the back, am I right? That's great. There's a beautiful new place to pray back here in the, in the back of the church and that, that Jeff just built. I mean, just con- so many of the things that are happening here that look good and work well are because of Jeff Jenkins. Uh, so Jeff, please accept our, our great appreciation for your hard work. Emma and Dayton and their kids started coming to Emmaus uh, relatively recently, like at the end of 2018. Am I right?
4: Um, I think it was a- around the middle of 2018. Okay, so about a year and a half. Great.
1: How did you hear about the church?
4: Um, our friends Beth and Aaron Armstrong mm-hmm. and their kids Lincoln and Reagan.
1: Mm-hmm. Lincoln's running media. Yeah. Thanks, Lincoln. <laughs>
4: Yeah, We've homeschooled together for the past 12 or 13 years, okay. kind of our families all working together. So. Great.
1: Great. So a friend invited a friend to church, mm-hmm. old school. It's the only way it really works, right? Yep. It's the only way it really works. That's awesome. Um, tell us then, uh, pretty soon thereafter, maybe like within a year, six months even, you decided to go on a women's retreat that we do every year. I did. It feels like a big deal to me to like go away to a house with, I don't know, 20 other women that you haven't necessarily known for very long and uh, spend the weekend together. Yep.
4: It was kind of a big deal. Um, My husband actually encouraged me to do it. He Mm -hmm. went to the men's retreat the year before, which was really good for him. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I think you need to do this. Mm -hmm. Our family was in a point where um, we were having a big struggle. Mm -hmm. And so it was very hard. We, we have kid, we have three kids. Um, one has some severe OCD, mm-hmm. and one has autism. Um, so that just has created a life that's very hard for me to leave, mm. to leave them at home yeah. or to leave them with somebody else because their interactions are very difficult mm-hmm. and because, you know, I have a child that doesn't sleep at night, whatever, and you can't just like, hey, can you watch my kids for the weekend? Because yeah. that's yeah. pretty hard to put on somebody. Yeah. Um, So my husband was like, you know what, you really need to go to this. And so I signed up. My friend Shannon Lauderdale signed up, and thankfully she did because just before the women's retreat, we were gone skiing, our whole family, and I fell and tore a ligament right off of my knee bone. And so I was not really getting around. I had crutches and a wheelchair, and Shannon was like, I will drive. I will put you in the wheelchair, and I will drive you. Wow all around the whole weekend. What she did, it was snowy and icy, and she Mm -hmm. drove me back and forth between the two houses all weekend and Mm -hmm. carted me up and down stairs and did (laughs) everything for me. I didn't know that part. Yes. So I was super grateful. Yeah.
1: So then at the retreat, you share uh, in a small group setting, and and we've talked about this and got permission to share some of this story, which I'm grateful for, but you share in a small group setting It's a pretty vulnerable reality about what's happening in your family. You want to share some of that with us?
4: Yeah. So I did kind of have a family meeting with my family to make sure it was okay to to share this stuff in advance. Um, My my son. Well, I mean, we've dealt with OCD for sixteen years and well seventeen now, and and autism. Um, And we were at a place where our house was kind of a war zone. there were some compulsions that were really big and really affecting our family mm-hmm. adversely. Um, being able to breathe or touch things in our house, being able to you know, even look towards somebody and know that breath was coming towards the other child mm-hmm. was I mean, it made it so that you could hardly live. Wow. It made it for our other kids that we could hardly live. And having a child with autism trying to deal with that portion of it. Mm-hmm in a way that she cognitively couldn't understand that it, it didn't mean something was wrong with her. It meant that you know, there was something going on with the other child that made them think mm-hmm. the breath is bad or germs are bad or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it became a time where I physically had to put my body between my children often mm-hmm. so that breath was not being shared. And mm-hmm. the thing, You know, there wasn't the perception that there were germs on clean clothes or clean dishes or whatever gosh it was like I couldn't be away from them at all because it was so much conflict and so horribly hard for my child with OCD Mm -hmm. who cognitively understands that it's not something real I mean that Mm -hmm. that what's happening is not reality but it created this horrible fight or flight response every time Mm -hmm. and so much conflict and so much stress and I I mean, we are obviously, we're seeing counselors and yeah. therapists and yeah. we had read every book in the world over the past 17 years mm-hmm. and, you know, sought out so much help. And we got to a point where, I mean, we were withering as a family, yeah. as a family who had always been such like very family centered. Mm-hmm. And just to be at a point where we could not sit at a dinner table together anymore. Yeah. We could not be in a car together anymore. Hmm. Um, it was, it was a very hard place to be. So
1: why did you... How did you feel comfortable? Or maybe you didn't feel comfortable. But what moved you to share this difficult reality with these women at this group, at the retreat?
4: Um, honestly, I was at a point of absolute despair. Hmm. Of not knowing what to do within my family. And I having sought out so much help.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And I, I mean... I needed help, yeah. I needed help, I needed to be able to share that, and I needed to ask other people to pray for us, mm-hmm. and I needed to be able to seek out God in other ways, yeah. and I needed to really, I just needed help,
1: Yeah. yeah. so
4: I, I mean, I felt safe, and I felt that it was okay to share with them, and they were being vulnerable about their own lives, and mm-hmm. I felt, you know, that I could trust to share yeah. that with them.
1: Yeah, so what did, what was the response like? You share this reality, the difficulty of what's happening in your house, and did they just pray for you at that moment? Oh or my they gosh,
4: they were amazing. They mm. prayed for me. they shared their own struggles mm. they th- We then had follow ups where people were checking in on wow. me and we're just we had a meeting um you know a few months later just to get together and spend time together and really mm. check in on, on a deeper level with mm. each other and it was amazing. Well, tell us what happened um, even things started to get better mm. for sure um even by the time we met up a couple months later, I was able to share with them that it might, you know, it was a giant deal, which seems so silly in retrospect for, for our family, it's our reality, um, that my child with, with OCD was able to eat some food cooked by my child with autism. Mm-hmm. So despite the fact that, I mean, previously, the fear of contamination would have been way too large for that to even mm-hmm. be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be like I would rather starve than worry that I would be contaminated. Mm -hmm. And for that to happen was such a huge deal. And to continue to feel daily that struggle be lifted a little bit more Mm -hmm. and a little bit more. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: And now, now that we're several months, you know, after that, um, at Halloween, like I looked at my husband as we all sat around the same table Mm -hmm. carving pumpkins. Mm -hmm. And... You know, we were using the same carving tools. Mm -hmm. People were touching the same carving tools, Mm -hmm. things that could never have happened before. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, it's like a new family. Like, looking back, Mm -hmm. I don't know how we were making it through, you know, each week and each day and sometimes each hour. Mm -hmm. And now to say, we're sitting in the car together. We're Mm -hmm. being, you know. The child with OCD is able to invite the child with autism, like, hey, come, come pull up your chair and let's work on this wow. music together. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's do this together. Mm-hmm. To watch them, I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, they shared some food, like mm-hmm. physically shared some food. Mm-hmm. And I, my husband and I look at each other and we're both just wow. sobbing wow. because for us, I mean, that's not been our reality yeah. for a long time. Yeah. So to be able to watch that and to be mm-hmm. able to live in a space that is more peaceful Beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I'm so grateful. Hmm. Thanks for sharing that. Really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you.
1: <laughs> so grateful for your courage and your vulnerability to share, to go to the retreat, even though you had a great excuse to not go, right, with your knee, um, to share with the women there, to then press into the support that was offered. Thank God for the healing that He provided through prayer. And for your willingness to share with us, uh, many of us are here because this is a rhythm that we've embraced, a rhythm of worship on a weekly level with a community. Uh, many of us are here because we are hurting. That's why we're here, um, because we're not sure where else to, to turn for help. And so your vulnerability to share with us about your own specific need, which is probably different than a lot of people's needs, um, I hope will encourage us to um, to lean into a more transparent, more vulnerable, more open experience with the church community. So thanks for your, uh, your courage in sharing with us. We're grateful. Please extend that to your family. Great. I hope this was encouraging to you, friends. Um, and I want to invite um, just really quickly, like just a few sentences. Would, would somebody please just stand where you are and pray for Leah? Would there be somebody who would stand and pray for Leah as she leads Uh, our fourth and fifth grade uh, ministry going into the fall. Would there be somebody who would just stand and just pray for Jeff as he continues to care for the the facility? Go ahead. Great. Thanks, Christina. And would there be somebody who would stand and pray for Emma, please, and her family as they continue to press into this healing? I need two more people to stand up. Wait. um, Andrea, would you pray for Jeff? Great. Thanks. And Kathy, would you pray for Emma? Good. Just pray a brief blessing. Pray out loud. We'll all just join you guys. Men. Go ahead, Andrea. Thank you.
2: Amen. Thank you. Go ahead, Kathy.
1: Amen, amen. Thank you so much, you guys. Really appreciate it. I want to invite you to stand together. Let's take a minute to greet one another. We'll stay together. We'll celebrate communion, sing a few more songs together before we go. But for now, may the peace of Christ be always with you. Thanks. Take a minute, greet one another, make sure folks feel welcome. We'll come right back together for another minute.